Amen. Well, we're in Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Acts chapter 2. We're ending this chapter today, moving right along in the book of Acts. I told you, we're, we're not going years like I have in the past. This is a new Dan. This is a new day, new Dan. Half of you believe me. Here we go, 42 through 47. I think you've heard this before, but let it encourage you today. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you this day. This is the day that you have made. We rejoice in it and are glad in it. But not because of our thoughts and plans and agendas for what you would want to accomplish today according to your purposes and your will. So have your way, Lord. Speak through me today. Speak by your word. Speak by your spirit. Give us ears to hear. Hallelujah. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, so if you remember, I talked about the last couple of weeks and if you haven't been here, please go online. You can subscribe to our podcast, the LifeSpring uh, Foursquare podcast. You can go on our website, go on Facebook. Uh, go ahead and catch up. I'm really excited about this series. But I said that it's a two-volume work, right? Luke-Acts work. We finished Luke, and now we're in Acts. And at the beginning of Acts, Jesus, if you remember, he's hanging out with his disciples and other followers for 40 days. But, uh, and this is all after his resurrection. But then he ascends to the right hand of the Father, vindicated right as the perfect Son of Man. But before he leaves, you remember this. He says, uh, wait in Jerusalem for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what all last week was about. And didn't you just love last week? Last week, I left here so jazzed about God and about the Holy Spirit and about what He's doing in and through my life. And I know many of you talked about just the way the Lord, by His Spirit, was stirring you up. Somebody uh, in this room right away just said, uh, the Holy Spirit told me to download the Bible app. And I got to read the Bible with that person two times this week. So praise the Lord that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and giving us those types of things. But last week, we talked about 120 of them, right? The Holy Spirit comes upon them in power as they're waiting in Jerusalem and and it's a sudden sound right a sudden sound of the blowing of this violent wind it comes from heaven it fills the whole house and it probably would have you know kind of made us all perplexed and amazed because there's tongues of fire on their head they're speaking in other language and this is all amazing because it's the day of Pentecost we talked about this where there's people from all over several nations for the feast of weeks celebrating this festival feast of weeks people from other nations and and now they're curious. They're like, man, what's all this commotion? They get over there and they're curious. They're amazed. They're perplexed because these people are speaking in a language that I understand. I mean, come on, church. That's amazing. So they're amazed. They're perplexed. They're asking these questions. What does this mean? Other people are saying, wow, you have had way too much to drink. Calm down. It's only nine in the morning. But then Peter, look at this, raises his voice, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't just, you know, like, smile and hug him. He says, repent. <laughs> repent and be baptized. Amen, right? 
He says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. 3,000 people responded to that message. Isn't that incredible? Come on. Like, come on. Repent and be baptized. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. And 3,000 say, okay. (laughs) What do we need to do? And right there, right there, 3,000. That's exactly what they do. But then our passage today, and I was really getting excited about this this week, and I get it, I get excited easily. But I was getting excited this week. I, I just realized, I'm just a happy guy. I'm a happy guy. I'm kind of an optimist, which is weird because I took a test and it said I was not an optimist. But I just kind of like, yeah, God's good, and here we go, and let's go. And I even believe the Mariners are going to win today. Woo! So I do have some delusion as well. But here's the deal. It's this epic scene, right? It is the scene, the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it kind of feels like me that this could be the end of the movie, right? This is the climax. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. A bunch of non-Christians are around. Peter preaches 3,000 say, okay, Peter, I like what you say. And they repent. They're baptized. The end. Roll credits. In fact, I think we actually have a scene. Wow. Can we just applaud the Lord and what He has done? What a scene. The great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. I I will never get tired of preaching that message, by the way, on Acts chapter 2. That that is so exciting. But then, I'm telling you, the minute that gets over, the way I'm wired is like, well, what happens the day after? Anybody else curious with that? Like, what's what's the day after? Romantic comedies, I get it. They're cute. They're kind of... Fun. Um, they're also often filled with a bunch of sin, but they, they can be enjoyable. Um, but I'm always curious, like what happens the day after they get together, right? The day after they're married, like the day, I mean, right, come on. Have you ever been married before? Like the day after when you wake up and the person next to you has got morning breath, the person next to you doesn't flush the toilet. The day after. Yeah, that day. But in the book of Acts, here's the day after the day after the great outpouring of the spirit 42 look at this this is their response i I just love this their response again to this epic scene they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer after this great outpouring of the holy spirit in their lives what do they do they spend a bunch of time together Right? They hang out together, devoted to, well, we should learn, right? We should learn. So, apostles, we're listening, like, teach us. We're hungry. Let's eat together. We need some direction. So, let's pray together. We have a word for that, don't we? We call it community. These people are now in community. I gave you a definition for community way back in the This Is Church series that we did a few months ago. Community being a group of people who are... Uh, gathered together or who have a particular characteristic in common, right? A particular characteristic in common. What is their particular characteristic in common? That they all are followers of Jesus and they have all been radically filled with the Holy Spirit. Which, by the way, if you have not been radically filled with the Holy Spirit, I just want to encourage you in that. Like, right now, just invite Him to do that in you. 
the early church, by the way, living by the power of the Holy Spirit, that was just a normal thing. That was a normal part of being a Christian. I'm not so sure why so many Christians think it's optional. I was golfing with a guy a couple of years ago, and I remember he was like, yeah, I'm all about Jesus stuff, but don't start talking about the Holy Spirit. I, I just don't understand that. It wasn't optional. Please do not try to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit giving what you need to live for Jesus. So again, if that's you, just, just in the safety of His presence and the comfort of His presence, just say, God, I need you to fill me. I need you to break down the walls. I need you to unleash the power of your presence and the power of your spirit in my life so I can do the things that you've called me to do. Do that today. Pray that to the Lord. He will answer that prayer every time. So here we are. Spirit falls on them. And now they're in a community. Community with one another. And you're seeing, and this is kind of goosebump time, you are seeing right here, you are seeing the first days of the Holy Spirit-empowered church gathering in the name of Jesus. Isn't that cool? Because think about what are we doing? We are the Spirit-enabled, empowered church of Christ, right? Gathering in the name of Jesus. So this is the first days of what has been going on now for the last 2,000 years. Again, goosebumps, right? I mean, it's powerful. It's beautiful. Now, I will say it's kind of funny. I, I hear this all the time. I've been doing this for a while. I'll hear phrases like, I go to church or I attend this church kind of like it's something you go to, like I go to Walmart or I, I made the mistake of taking my daughter to Chuck E. Cheese this week, but I just want to hear it. I just want you to hear this. That is so far removed from how the early church thought about all this. You, you didn't go to church. You were the church. You were the church. And as the church, you do life together. You are living in community. In fact, that's point one of my sermon today, if you're taking notes. Church, it's a godly community. And in the year 2021, keep on pressing into the community of God, into godly community. Because again, you are the church. You're the church. Now I realize with everything going on, you've got to get a little creative. We've had to get creative. Maybe you've got to use a Zoom account. I didn't even know what Zoom was before, you know, two years ago. But maybe you've got to watch online. Whatever you've got to do. But, and by the way, I just want to say this. We do have wonderful people watching online, like spirit-filled people who are engaging and pressing in, involved in community. I'm so thankful for those of you watching online today. Praise God for your willingness to make the effort. I, I see you. I, I appreciate that. But I've also been doing this long enough to realize that there's a very real enemy... His name is the devil, right? He's the Satan. And his passion is to keep you from being in community. He loves to keep you from gathering. He loves to keep you from encouraging one another. It's why Scripture actually speaks about this. It says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and on toward good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but what? Encouraging one another. And why? Because the day is approaching, right? He's coming back even more as you see the day approaching. So don't give up, Life Spring. Don't give up. So proud of you being here. I'm like, look at all these people. This is amazing. But don't give up. Keep on encouraging each other. Keep on loving each other. Keep on meeting with each other. Keep on emailing and texting and phone calling and coffee and starving and whatever you got to do for each other. Again, I think it's very easy in our culture right now to disengage from godly community. But I want to encourage you, re-engage. Take a step forward, not backward, but forward in community. You know, on that note, LifeSpring, one of the 
best ways I know at life, uh, life Spring to do life together, it's life groups. And I'm so thankful for our life groups here at the church. I love life groups. I, I've seen it throughout the years, how people in our life groups look out for each other. They care for each other. Needs are met. Requests are filled. All just in this context of this small group of people doing life together. It's so beautiful to me. You see community. You see these relationships that are built. And actually, by the way, if you've been a part of life, uh, a life group, those those bonds, they're pretty strong, aren't they? Like, they go deep. I'll be like, hey, we're going to do this event on Tuesday night. They're like, hey, sorry, Pastor Dan, that's our life group night. But that's a good thing, right? What about Wednesday? <laughs> but one of my favorite parts about a life group is you actually begin to know each other at a deeper level. Because you could attend service your whole life and not really know somebody. But in a life group, there's this opportunity to get to know each other at a deeper level. Now, I will caution you, as you get to know each other, there might be some things you discover about each other that you didn't want to know. <laughs> in fact, as you get to know them, you might not even like what you've discovered. Don't raise your hands on that one, but we just all know it's true. <laughs> You're the person in your life group is like, hey, what are you talking about me? See, in a life group... It gives you an opportunity to be a Christian. I want you to hear that. It gives you an opportunity to actually exercise those faith muscles. When you get to know someone in their mess, I am tired of Christians making such judgmental comments about people that they don't even know. Stop it. That's so silly. But what I love about a life group and community is you get to know someone in their mess. Like, have you ever gotten to know Pastor Dan? And you're like, oh, I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he did that. You get to know him, right? Fred's laughing because I said something to him yesterday. I was like, I can't believe I even said that to him. It was terrible. I told him, I said, your pastor's a punk. And so I, you know, I had to apologize. But you get to know a real person. I want to know real people. In their dysfunction, in their hurts, in their pain. And what? You're a Christian, so you learn how to love them. You learn how to forgive them. You learn how to extend them grace. You learn how to speak truth in love. You learn how to be like Jesus to them. Again, it's, I think it's easy to love somebody when you're just hanging out on Sunday morning. We've all done it. Hey, how are you? Good. Hey, how are you? Good. You know, blah, blah. That's easy. But that's not the love that God has called us to. It's when the person... I, I just talked about this last night, uh, late last night with a, with a person. It's when that person tells you they've had an affair. Or it's when they open up about a very serious lapse of judgment. You know, I have made a mistake. Or it's when you find out, wow, like this person's a hypocrite. Or if they're just being a jerk. <laughs> Again, I apologize, Fred. That was terrible. But that's when the love of God is needed. When you hear and see the worst in people, and yet, whew, the Holy Spirit just stirs in you. And you're moved, not to hatred, not to bitterness, not to divisiveness, but you're moved to compassion. And you begin to walk it out with them. You speak the truth and love to them. And that's when a real community develops. That's when a community begins to develop and mature, and it's amazing, and it's good, and the whole thing is held together by Jesus and by the power of His Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. By the way, that's what makes a life group different than any other social club or any gathering. It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. Because what's the difference? But Jesus is there. Jesus actually tells us. He says, where two or three gather in whose name? In Jesus' name. In my name, he says. There am I with them. 
So Jesus is there by his Holy Spirit, bringing his strength, bringing his unity, his peace, and a healthy church community emerges where we can do life together. So press in. Press in, church. Yeah, I got excuses too. Excuses are a lame way to live. Come on. Two hard things. No pity parties. No excuses. Some of you have heard that from me before. Press in the community. Join a life group. Shameless plug. Seahawks are on Thursday night. Come, if you're a guy, come on out. We're going to do community together, and we're going to watch the Seahawks hopefully win a game. All right, here we go. Verse 43. Hope does not disappoint. Okay, going on. Here we go. Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe as the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Did you catch that? Did that make you squirm a little bit? Just, just you and I. Everyone else is like, yeah, I'm ready, Dan. I'm selling everything. Here I am, church. <laughs> Yard sale. <laughs> That's right. It's pretty, pretty wild, right? Had everything in common. Selling property, selling possessions to give to anyone who had need. I just want to stop right there. Life Spring, I'm so grateful for you. The way you continue to give. You make me so happy. I, I just love being... When you were saying that number, I was just so happy. I love this church. Thank you. It's, by the way, a giving a community, that's a godly community, right? It's a normal part of being a Christian as you give. And that's point two, is church is a giving community. As God's children, we all know this, right? We give 10% back to the Lord. You make an 80000 you give 8000 back to the Lord. And most of us, or many of us in this room, I know that we give a lot more than just that 10%. And it's amazing. I, it's just it's fun. It's so fun to see how God has blessed your faithful giving. LifeSpring, man, the doors that the Lord has opened up for us to be able to bless people really all over the world through your giving. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, I say this all the time, but I'll say it again. I don't know who gives and who doesn't give at the church. I figured that was a bad way to go because I didn't want my love like to be based on you know giving numbers. So I don't, I don't do that. But I do get a weekly report of the overall giving. And again, I'm moved every week by your faithfulness in this area. And it's obvious we're asking for more. We're not just asking for a little more, by the way. We're asking for a lot more. Because we feel like this is only the beginning of what God wants to do in and through LifeSpring Church. Like, amen, right? We have this building. I'm praise the Lord for this building. But we have this building two nights a week, and I got a little bit of office space. Two nights a week and a little bit of office. Let me be clear. We have the passion. We have the energy. We have the vision for so much more than two nights a week. I mean, have you looked around in this county, in this state? We are on the mission field. You don't got to go in. This is the mission field right here in King County. We are surrounded by people who are in need, who are broken, who are hurting, sick, dying, trapped in their sins. And yet I believe LifeSpring will only increasingly more become this beautiful place of healing, restoration, freedom, life and love. A place to receive the forgiveness and the salvation that only Jesus can bring. Praise the Lord. If Melanie was here, she would shout out amen. Amen. You know, I was reading these verses, people selling stuff and helping people in need. I was like, that's, that's life spring. I love it. I hang out with a lot of churches, a lot of pastors. And, and I, I'm, I love the church. But there's that part of me that's like, every time, it's like, man, I love life spring. Thank you for your generous giving. 
if you're struggling in this area, if you're feeling stuck in this area, maybe it's not even a part of your Christian walk. I want to challenge you. I challenge you today. Pray to the Lord. Talk to God about it. Seek the Lord. Ask the Lord. You, you know what? Just go straight to the Father. Because I want everybody set free in this area. Money, man, the, the paralyzing grip that money has on people. Again, a word of wisdom. If you're waiting until everything is perfect in your life before you start giving, you will never start giving. <laughs> right? I mean, those of us that give, we just know that. Amen? There's never going to be like this perfect day when all my problems are gone and all my needs are met just like I want my needs to be met. I, I've seen it. I've talked to the person that's like, you know, Pastor, you know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm there, but first I've got to get this job. Or I, I'm, I'm giving, but first I've got to get out of debt. Or, you know, I'm all in, but first I've got to get married. Or I've got to get the house. Or whatever the thing is. And then I'm going to give. Oh, man, that day just doesn't ever come. This is so important. When you talk like that, you are convincing yourself that you are in need. You're convincing yourself. With the attitude of your mind, you're convincing yourself that you are lacking. And as long as you walk through your life with a deficit mindset, you are not going to be a very generous person. Because why would you give for the sake of others when you're still complaining about not having enough for yourself? Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. You're a Christian. The Apostle Paul says that God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches, or the, to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Second Peter says His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. You right now are not lacking. That is such a spirit of the world. Remember who you are. You're not lacking. Remember what you have in Jesus. And from the riches of what you have in Jesus. Not just money, but just the riches of who Christ is in your life. I am rich in the Lord. Whether my bank account is full or empty, I'm rich in Jesus. And from the richness of knowing, I've got a great provider who provides from that place of truth that no one and nothing can take away from me. I am going to be a generous person. That's what I want at my funeral. You know, just, Dan, oh my goodness, you couldn't outgive the guy. And yet, I know how much I make. Right? I'm a pastor. We all get the story. But I can be generous with what I have. Because I'm rich in Christ. Amen? I love what the Apostle Paul, he says, he's taking up this collection and uh, he says this, Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's pretty good, right? I never preached on that sermon because it got just so weird and gross to me because the TV would always use that verse and it just got really icky for me. But it kind of stole the thunder from me because this is powerful. I mean, look at this again. I, I want this for my life. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously, isn't that what you want in your life? Again, no excuses, no pity parties. I'm going to live a generous life. Generously, they're going to reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion. You've got to be free in this area, church. God wants to set you free because God loves what? A cheerful giver. You know, maybe giving comes naturally to some people, but for me, it did not. 
It did not. I didn't come out of the womb generous. And again, people are always saying, Dan, you just have this gift of giving. No. I learned giving. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I learned giving. I learned uh, in uh, my family, my household, my parents are extremely generous. I learned from them. My brother Doug, 20 years ago, I was helping him out as his worship leader. And he, it, that church was small. Like we're in a strip mall between a Domino's and a flower shop in Maple Valley. And half the time, I, he just wasn't even getting paid. He wasn't even getting a paycheck. And yet, he was teaching me how, Dan, just trust God. Give to God. And he's going to meet your needs. And, and I, I learned in Spokane, our pastor there sat us down and talked about finances, talked about giving, talked about tithing. I, I learned from him. And I'm learning from you. Huh, you've probably been blessed by some of the people in this room. We got some serious, generous people. And they are modeling to me, and I'm not going to name you right now, but they have modeled to me the truth of Jesus' words. Come on, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I've learned that here. You know, I'm not going to say your name, but one of you gave an envelope to me to bless the other church. And I talked to their pastor. He's like, what was that even for? He goes, he should have given it to you. I was like, no. He goes, he just wanted to bless you. Jesus. I love that church. Some of you have heard this story, and it's so powerful to me. It's worth sharing again. So every Foursquare church, we, in our polity, we have this uh, church council, right? And the church council oversees uh, our finances. They give counsel to the pastor uh, regarding finances. The first financial council that I ever had, so we're talking like nine years ago, they showed me this power of generosity and the power of giving. In fact, it still greatly impacts how we do life at LifeSpring. I looked this up this week. I wanted to make sure I got the story right because, again, it's pretty incredible. Well, you're going to love it. When I took over in August of 2012, which, wow, that, that's amazing. <laughs> that was a long time ago. But when I took over in August 2012, at the end of July... Our checking account was negative $2,000. I don't even know how you can do that. I, didn't, I don't think that's possible. In fact, when I'm negative, like I get all these emails and texts and what. But anyways, it is, this is the report. It's, I just looked it up. Negative 2000 in our checking. And our combined savings, total of all of our assets and resources, was $8,000. So I guess you could say 6000 total with the checking and the, and the savings. But listen to this. Our financial council, the first ever council meeting that I had, they recommended, you know what, Pastor Dan, what we need to do? Over the next six months, we recommend that you give $25,000 to a church in Clarkston, Washington. It was the church that Pastor Chad was taking over because it was a dying church that needed help. And so the first decision I made was to give $25,000 over six months. And we made some sacrifices to make that work. Um, I didn't take a raise that year. I stayed on my associate pastor salary. And Adam Henderson, praise the Lord, I was paying that guy peanuts. Uh, his benefits were, hey, you can sleep in our house. His brother had to sleep on our floor in our house. And we'll make sure you don't starve. And we did it. We did it, church. We gave him that money. We gave Clarkson, that church in Clarkson, that money. And I always joke that supporting that church in Clarkson was my first and could have been my last decision as senior pastor of LifeSpring Foursquare. But praise 
the Lord, that church that was ready to close their door. The district was flying a guy out every week just to learn how to close the doors. But praise the Lord because of Pastor Chad, because of your faithful giving, because of God and His powerful grace. Almost ten years later, that church is still going today. Praise the Lord. Can we praise the Lord? I'm so thankful that I didn't choose to live by fear or decide, you know, we're just going to hold on and we're just going to try to save. So thankful for people like Ray Wright. I don't know if Bobby's here today, but Ray Wright, he was on that first council. Kind of an intimidating guy, like really opinionated and, you know, just strong in the faith. And he just challenged me. Like, Dan, the Lord will provide. Like just, yes, he will. You're right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, right? that's, That's Ray. And so we did that. Earlier this week, I looked up where our bank accounts were at the end of 2013. So this was just a little over a year after. And remember, the checking account had negative 2000 The combined savings was at 8000 By the end of 2013, our checking account was at 21000 And our savings account was at 45000 We went from a total of 6000 to $66,000. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you know the history of the last decade, all the things we've been able to do with the resources and the money given here. And praise the Lord for the last 10 years at LifeSpring. It's been a fruitful season. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. His goodness, His provision. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for you. Praise the Lord for this community that continues to give. And, and I get it. Like You guys, you're just givers. And it's not just money. Money is a sliver of it. You're giving your time. You're giving your energy. You're giving just your lives. And I just thank you for that. Because also when you give, you give from such a cheerful, joy-filled heart. And again, I just encourage everybody to jump on board. Just if you haven't started on this journey, invite the Lord to lead you into true freedom in the area of money. Again, I don't know who's giving, who isn't going. That I'm just going to let you trust the Lord on that. If you want some help, if you want me to pray for you, I'm more than willing to talk with you on that way. But again, grace, like praise the Lord. It's your journey. But I just tell you, challenge the Lord on this one. Talk to the Lord about this. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen. All right. Well, let's finish off with verses 46 and 47. They continued meeting together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with their glad and sincere hearts. They're praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And look at this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I want to close with this. I've talked about a godly community. I've talked about a giving community. But I want to close by saying this. Church is a growing community. A growing community. I love that last part, and I, and I underlined it and highlighted it, that the Lord was adding daily the number of those being saved. You know, being in community, a loving, serving community, it's, it's really not about me. It's really not about you. It's about God, and it's about others. That the lost would be found, that the blind would see, that the spiritually dead would find new life in Christ. But, you know, as people find life and salvation in Jesus, the church all over this world is going to grow. That's what happens. Healthy things grow. You know I believe this. When, when we live in this way, you know, hey, listen to this. Today's passage talks about when you gather together, when you encourage each other, when you pray for each other, meet each other's needs, when you give, when you love each other, when you act like Jesus to each other, when you extend grace, love, mercy, forgiveness, 
in those moments of godly community, I believe this. It is right there. And this is just part of my DNA and part of my passion as a pastor. But I believe when you're doing all those things in godly community, it's right there where we begin to show the world Jesus. We show the world, think of it this way, we show the world a glimpse of what it looks like when heaven meets earth. Let me explain this. Remember, the temple was in Jerusalem. And you could still go there, by the way, uh, to this day, and the, the temple mount is there, where the temple would have been. You can still go to that place where the temple once stood. And the temple, if, you, if you're there, and you go up the city of David, it kind of goes up a hill. And again, the temple was this wonderful place, right, where the, or was supposed to be, right, where heaven met earth, where God dwelt with His people. And yet the power of Pentecost is we know that we now are the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies, individual bodies. But then 1 Corinthians 3, Paul also says that we as a community, as a body of believers, all y'all, right? All of us. We are God's temple. We are the place, the dwelling place of His Spirit. So individually, but also corporately, we are the place where what? Where heaven meets earth, where God dwells with His people. And I believe this. Again, this is a part of my life. When, when you're doing community right, when you're learning how to be gracious and kind toward one another, when you're just showing the things of Jesus and the fruit of His Spirit to one another, I believe we become a power-packed example to the world of what Jesus and only Jesus can do. Not just in one person's life. It's not about you, but what God can do in the context of His community, in the people of God, I believe this. It's a glimpse of the garden. Don't you want to come back to the garden? You know you can come back to the garden in the name of Jesus because Jesus broke down the wall of hostility, the wall that separated you from God, the wall that kept you as an enemy of the Lord. He says, no, now you have peace with God, but also you can have peace with one another. Doesn't anyone else want to live in a community where it's the garden of life, flourishing life, I do. I love that when I do it wrong, the Holy Spirit comes in and He says, Dan, you're better than that. Don't you love that? That we can love each other, not because we always agree with each other, but because Jesus has done something here by the power of His Spirit. And it's messy, but we can do this together. And when we do it together, the world who is so broken right now, My non-Christian friends are barely hanging on. But I believe this. When they see what we have, when they see the community of God meeting each other's needs, serving and loving each other, being gracious to each other, submitting to each other, being kind to each other, when they see what we have, some, oh man, they're just going to be like, you guys are crazy. You guys are whack. Like, no way. Or you're drunk, right? But others are going to ask questions. They say, tell me more. Tell me more. May it be said of us, Lifespring. Man, I just thought this just yesterday. I said, may it be said of us 200, 300 years from now that as we continue to meet together, as we ate together, as we prayed together, that the Lord added daily right here the number of those being saved. Amen. So I want to invite the worship team back up. This is such a good day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm so encouraged by His Spirit today. Like you in my flesh, I'm always thinking about bailing, right? And the humanist is like, I don't got time for this. 
And yet in my spirit, God's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, and where would you go? Because <laughs> you're still going to be there. You're half the problem, Dan. <laughs> right? You're going to learn it and mature in it right here in the context of community. So what about you? Where are you at with all this? You ready to run out of here as quick as you can? Or are you willing to play your part? Play your part. I hope you're willing to play your part. I I think playing your part and saying yes to godly community, I think that's a pretty brave answer these days. Because there ain't a lot of voices in our culture encouraging you to play your part in godly community. I mean, it's a mess. People with previous church hurts and wounds. They're on YouTube. You can find them. They'll tell you to stay away. Kind of feels like our current politicians and those in power, they're encouraging you to stay away. Your non-Christian friends, family, yeah, they're going to encourage you to stay away. There's just not much in our society right now encouraging you to do life together in the name of Jesus. And yet by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is to me, this is to you, this is everyone listening online. By the power of the Holy Spirit, remember who you are and whose you are. You You're a part of the body of Christ. You're a member, a part of something bigger than yourself. The church needs you to play your part. Thank you for playing your part. I love being in community with you. I love you. I've grown so much doing life together with you. I was listening to one of my sermons from like 10 years ago, and it just made me squirm. I did like the fire, though. I had a fire. That guy was spicy. And sometimes it's just a little inappropriate. <laughs> but I close with this. I want to say this again. Let us consider, church, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up on meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but instead encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with us?